welcome to From the Bench with Dench. I'm your studio host, Denny Dench Rittenhouse. Good evening, welcome to another episode of From the Bench with Dench, your studio host, Denny Dench Rittenhouse. And uh, we've got a, a special guest in the studio tonight. And before we get to that, a couple quick reminders. You can uh, find a podcast on all your streaming services. Uh, so go out to Spotify or uh, Amazon.com or, or Google um, um, Podcasts. And uh, I'm missing one. Apple. Apple Music. Uh, we're out there as well. As well as some of the niche players like Deezer and uh, TuneIn Radio and things like that. So, so you can find us uh, virtually anywhere and you can get back episodes so you can look up how bad I am at predicting NCAA brackets <laughs> and uh, hold me to it. I'm doing better on baseball, by the way. Um, my predictions had a good week one. Uh, but uh, anyway, tonight we're going to dive into the comical world of Bruce Beach. And uh, I say that with sincere affection. Bruce is a stand-up comedian, among other things in media. Um, uh, thought it'd be interesting to get Bruce's take on uh, uh, the Academy Awards and the incident that took place there. Uh, and then dive into a few other things that Bruce is doing on the side as well. And uh, uh, talk about uh, just life in general. It's always fun to catch up with Bruce and his perspective and unique perspective on uh, things in, in life. So Bruce, welcome to the beautiful confines of my studio in Highland, Illinois. Well, thanks, Denny. Always always great to be in Highland. Not as great as it once was when you had a Taco John's, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my, you're going back to yours. That's, that's been going for, for quite some time. But but yeah, yeah, we, we had a Taco John's. <laughs> so, so Bruce and I go back, what, 25, 30 years now, I guess, yeah. in the early 90s in our days at, at WINU. Uh, here, beautiful AM radio, high school broadcasting. Yeah, that, that's uh, how we met. I, I ended up, uh, follow, I guess I followed Joe May out to WINU. Um, I, I initially met Joe right when I got out of college. My parents owned some apartments, and one of their renters was a guy by the name of John Zellerman, who was the play by the B play by play guy at WIBV at the time. Uh, Joe May was the was the A team. He always had the main game. And then there was a tape-delayed game every Friday and Saturday night, and that was John Zellerman's game. And he asked me to go with him and keep stats because my parents told him I was interested in broadcasting. His color man didn't show up the third game that I had gone to keep stats, and he just slid me into the the side, and I started doing color, and I became the B color man full-time on that broadcast team. That's cool stuff. I, I met Joe. Now, I grew up listening to Joe. I don't know if you did oh, much sure, sure. Uh, growing up, but Joe was the voice of Southern Illinois high school sports, in my eyes anyway, growing up in St. Clair County. And um, so I, I loved listening to Joe broadcast basketball and football. And so years go by then after I get out of high school in the late 70s, uh, um, I, get, I go in the Air Force, come back home, and live in Highland, and, and lo and behold, I read an article in the paper that uh, uh, Jack Core from Belleville had bought the station, and Joe May was going to be his uh, sports and programming director. And I was like, well, I just got my degree out of the, out of the Air Force, and it was in broadcast communication. And uh, I thought, I'm going to write Joe a letter. <laughs> so I did, and three days later, I, I'm working for... for
night scoreboard where you were just like, how you got the nine games on a Friday night is uh, is amazing to me. <laughs> I, I, this is back in we. I think we had cell phones, um, but we obviously the internet was in its infancy when we were doing this, and it was still on live radio. and And you would go do play by play of whatever the game was, and then I would drive around to the other venues, and I would I show up in Freeburg, and I just make a phone call and say, Joe, they're in the first quarter. Freeburg's beating Nashville seven nothing. And I watch a little bit of the game, and then I drive over to Dupo and check in on that game. And it was, and then afterwards, at the end of the evening, we kind of recap everything. Yeah. Um, my, one of my favorite stories from that, and we're going to get into humor here in a little bit. Joe never quite understood my sense of humor. Yeah. And one night, uh, I finished my evening uh, at the O'Fallon game. That's where I went to high school, and I think I actually called in my report from O'Fallon. And we're, you're you're on there being talking about the main game. We're kicking around the area, and I and I ended my O'Fallon report by saying, Joe, something really cool happened here at O'Fallon tonight. There were lots of people in the stands with uh, blue and, and gold jerseys on, with the number eighty. And right when I said that, you started laughing because you knew where I was going with it. And I said, I don't know what that eighty stands for, but it was on there. And on the back, they all said Bruce. <laughs> And I, I could not be more touched that my high school did that because they knew I was coming. And, and Joe said, I, I wonder who to, you know, he never got the yeah. joke. And that was part of the beauty of Joe. <laughs> it really was. And for, for listeners outside of the immediate St. Louis area, Isaac Bruce, of course, was right, at uh, the time. number 80 on the, on the uh, St. Louis Rams, uh, just moving to town. And uh, he was their man uh, in the first few years there. And so, so I do remember that. Uh, great story. Uh, so so we uh, we kind of part ways after when you uh, turns over to to uh, the, the the Spanish station that it has been well, since. Well, actually, it went it went from Jack Core to to Larry Rice. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, I had an association with them for a little bit of time. We would Kent Zimmerman and I would buy airtime from Larry Rice to do McKendry basketball. Uh, and we did that for about five years out at WINU, and then then I kind of so yeah yeah and you and Kent were renting time. Yeah, we'd buy we'd buy uh, two hour blocks, uh, and we would do a McKendry uh, basketball on there uh, because back then the uni- the university does all their own games now. Back then they didn't, so Kent and I would sell advertising, then buy the time, and then go go, go broadcast the games. And we did that till um, well, I did that till two thousand and one, and that's the year that my then I became the assistant women's coach at McKendry for four years. And then my youngest daughter started playing ball. And that's when I kind of stepped away from coaching and broadcasting and became a, 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 a girls basketball fan for about, ended up being about 12 years with the two of them. <laughs> yeah. How many years you spent at McKendry? Uh, well, broad, I, I went, I don't know if you remember Bob Gagan. He was one of Joe, Joe May's sure. uh, play-by-play guys. Joe was doing what Kent and I were doing at the time, buying well, he was actually still at WINU, so he would be doing the, the games. Bob Gagan was his play-by-play guy that he would send out to do them, and Bob got ill. So he asked if I'd go fill in one night out at McKendry. That was in 1994, the spring of the second semester, 1994, and I stayed through 2001. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed, stayed to 2001. And then somewhere in there, they brought football to the university, and I became the public address announcer for the football team, and I continued to do that until 2008 when my daughter went off to the University of Illinois and I wanted my, my Saturdays free in the fall to, to be able to go see her. Yeah. So I was there a total of 17 years. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Now, 
I never met him. May have met him once at a high school all-star game, but Harry Statham, uh, I always heard was a better person than he was a coach, and he was a great coach. Is that, oh, absolutely. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, Todd Grigg, one of his former players who now at, at Triad High School, was the coach there for a number of years. I think he's the AD now. Uh, tried arranged a uh, kind of a Harry Statham reunion uh, of all his players. It was supposed to take place in April of 2020, and like everything else, it had to get delayed. But we had it last fall, last September, out at uh, Triad High School, and, and over 200 of his former players came back from all over the country uh, to that reunion. And my, my favorite Harry Statham story, my daughter, who's now 28, but at the time she was only five. She wasn't. It was a year before she started kindergarten. She had traveled with Kent and I, out to Iowa to do a, so a two weekend games for the for the cats, and we did we did the game on Friday night. We'd gone back to the hotel. Next next morning, she had woke up before anybody, but I trained her well. She woke up Kent, and so Kent takes her down for the free breakfast, and I guess Coach is down there. Next thing I know, she's back up in the room waking me up, saying, Co- uh, Her- "Coach needs to see you, Dad." So I, I get dressed, I walk down to the breakfast area, and I said, uh, you, "What you need, Coach?" She said. Nothing. I just didn't want you up there sleeping. <laughs> he had that kind of rise to see you. Great guy, great coach, and uh, left a bit unceremoniously. But uh, how do you end a, a long regime like that, like like he had going? And so, so it was a, a, a sad day when he stepped aside. But but uh, a legendary coach, and you know, at uh, Coach K's last home game, he only had 90 players right. uh, come to the game. So that's an impressive turnout for, for a tribute to the man. Uh, I don't think Coach K coached as long as Harry did. <laughs> <laughs> he was there for like, was it 52 years? Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Okay, so, so good stuff on the broadcast run. I, I know all about the, the buying the time. I used to do that off, off Jack Core at Winu after you know, things were starting to go a little bit downhill there. Um and uh, I, I would buy time. And I remember buying the time for, for high school basketball. And there were, there were two teams we were, were following, Highland and, and Modern Day. Both were pretty good programs at the time uh, there in the mid-'90s. Both still pretty pretty decent programs. Um, but I'm, I'm a Breeze Central graduate, so, so I never had a, a liking for Modern Day um, especially to that time, but they were good. And, and I'm like, okay, somebody's got to carry them. Clinton County didn't have their stations yet. And so I'm like, I, I'll go down there. They make it to the Sweet 16, and I've got $5,000 of advertising lined up for the state tournament. And lo and behold, they they lose yeah. in the Sweet Sixteen. I said that was crushing to a, a you know I'm in my young thirties at the time, and right. it's like man that that was a big paycheck, and it's just like a dagger. Modern day was thrown in the Central guy. And then the next year they go to the state finals and play in the championship game. I was out of it by then. Right, <laughs> that's the way it always works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sure is. So so sticking with sports a little bit. One thing I always found intriguing with you is, is you you grow up you grow up in O'Fallon too. No, I well, for the, I was born in Denver, Colorado. Okay, um, that answers one of my okay. questions. <laughs> uh, when when my both of my parents uh, grew up in Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois, my dad is from Duquoin, and my mother is from a very small town, even further south of there, called Vienna, Illinois, mm-hmm. and. 
<clears throat> when they got they got married when they were very young, right out of high school. Dad joined the Air Force, and uh, during the Korean War, and ended up his last tour of duty was in Colorado Springs. When he got out of the Air Force, he went to Northern Colorado University, of Northern Colorado, got his teaching degree, and began teaching. Um, then, thirteen years later, um, they adopted me, and then two years after that, they adopted my sister. And they wanted to be closer to family, which was all still in Southern Illinois. So dad began applying for teaching jobs in Southern Illinois and around here. And he got two offers, O'Fallon and Collinsville, which I didn't know till I was an adult that he was weighing between O'Fallon and Collinsville because I cannot tell you how much I hate Collinsville. So it <laughs> <laughs> turned out dad made the right choice. He chose O'Fallon. So then we moved here when I was four years old. Um, my, my father wasn't a sports fan. I, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. My, my dad wasn't a sports fan, but it's hard to explain to people that don't live in Denver. The closest analogy I can come to is kind of Cardinal Nation. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you live in Denver in the 60s, which is when I would have been there, the late 60s, there were no Rockies, there was no Avalanche, there was no Nuggets. It was just the Broncos. And that, that town was nuts about, so even if you weren't a sports fan, it's kind of like being here. If you're not a sports fan, you're well aware of the Cardinals. So I never did not know what the Broncos were. So when I became kind of, when I kind of discovered sports on my own, because my dad wasn't a sports fan, uh, it was, I'd done something that annoyed my mom to the point that she sat me down in front of the television and just turned on the channel and told me not to move. And it was on NBC and it was game one in the 1972 World Series. And I just fell in love with what I was seeing on TV and that was, the Cincinnati Reds. So I, I didn't grow up listening to Cardinal. There were Cardinal baseball wasn't on around my house and things like that. So I, did, I fell in love with that that game I was watching. And and they would say, you know, game two is tomorrow. And I told mom, I got to watch game two. So that's how I became a Reds fan. Um, then I discovered there's other sports like football. So I, I already knew I liked the Broncos. So that became my team. And then, uh, then I discovered hockey. Well, I'm a Blues fan because that's the team that I fell in love with. So <laughs> That's where my allegiance is like. <laughs> okay. Yep, yep, yeah, exact path I was going down. I, I was going to ask you if you're like a, a Belleville West Maroon fan, even though you went to O'Fallon, <laughs> no, if, if that's, if that's no. your favorite team. Um, no, no, the, 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 only, the only kind of strange one is my NBA allegiance. You know, we had the Spirit of St. Louis when I was very young. Uh, of course, I watched them for the couple years that they were here, but I, I kind of discovered the NBA shortly after the Spirit left, right after the merger. And so I really enjoyed Dr. J because I saw him in the NBA. So I became a Sixer fan. And then in about 1989, Doc had retired. They traded Barkley. They traded Moses. And it occurred to me at that point, I was more of a Dr. J fan than actually a Philadelphia 76er fan. So I declared myself an NBA free agent. And this is 1989, so I had to handwrite letters. I handwrote letters to every NBA team saying, Best offer, I'm your fan. And unfortunately for me, the only team I heard from, and they sent me a hat, that was their offer, was an expansion team called the Minnesota Timberwolves. And so since since their inaugural season, I, 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 I guess I've been a Timberwolves fan. I don't live and die with them like I do the other sports. <laughs> that is crazy stuff. You wrote every NBA team. I did. Yeah. I did. And then when the Rams moved, one of my former students – uh, on Facebook was just expressing her, you know, just displeasure for that move. And I told her my story and she actually got, she emailed every, every NFL team and she heard back from 18 teams. Yeah. 
making her offers, and she, she ends up choosing the Saints, which never sent her anything, because that's where Jim Laronitis ended up. So she, she, she kind of used the player, followed the player, not yeah. necessarily the yeah. uniform. Yeah, I, I've still struggled with finding the right team, and it, it was a, uh, uh, a hunt I did. I, I tried, and, uh, you know, the... I tried and tried, and I came out and said, and announced the Chicago Bears are the team I'm adopted. I was like, I'll go with the home state. I like their history. And they stunk it up worse than the Rams did their last eight years here. Uh, you know, the first two years, I'm, I'm following the Bears. And so, so I, I dumped them like a, uh, a bad wife, you know, pretty darn quick. And uh, I'm still a free agent. I haven't thought about the writing every team in the in well, the league, though. I'm I may take may may take that route. She got some it, good Minnesota Minnesota Vikings offered her a plane fare to Minnesota and a, a seat in the president's box to a game. It, I, I'm like you should taking the you should taking that one, but uh, no kidding. She went with the yeah. now the, the I'm, I've kind of had to adopt the Bears as a kind of a secondary team, but. Uh, my daughter is an employee of the Bears, uh, but when when they played the Broncos, I told her I'm, I'm rooting for the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I didn't mean that as in oh, any, no, any no. way to because because no. I enjoy I enjoy the snapshots you get of uh, your daughter walking the sidelines there on, on Sunday afternoons. Uh, I think think it's pretty cool. And as a dad, I would be doing the exact same thing. Uh, oh yeah, and I, I'll be honest. The only the only time I would ever root for the Bears over the Broncos. Is if I think they if they've met in the Super Bowl, I think my my daughter's ability to have a Super Bowl ring might might supersede my ability <laughs> to right. to win one, another one as a fan. You know. So. Yeah, yeah, understandable, understandable. <clears throat> yeah, fun stuff. The baseball. I figured it was uh, some kind of uh, allegiance to the Big Red Machine that that caught your attention. Well, that that that's and, the first team I discovered. As you're well aware, baseball wasn't as readily available as it is now. Even the Cardinal games, they only aired on TV Sunday afternoon road games. That, that, was, that was the TV exposure on Channel 5 with Jay Randolph right. and Mike Shannon. The big, the big baseball game was the Saturday game of the week, and it was always the Reds. You know, yeah. so that, that's kind of... It, it, it really was. You know, and they're, they're kind of like your kids. You know, once, once you love them, it's hard to give them up. You, you can get mad at them. <laughs> that, that was a good team to, to fall in love with. Um, you know, and I... I liked the Big Red Machine. My my only beef I had with them was was Ted Simmons was my favorite player ever, and and so in fact I'll prove it to you. Okay. And uh, it was it the dissing of uh, Simmons. It, there's my Simmons yeah. shirt, right? Pulling out, so, pulled out a Simmons jersey right from the closet. <laughs> <laughs> and so so I'm. It would aggravate me as a kid at all-star time, especially when the Cardinals were still in most of the races in, in um, the 70s. Uh, Simmons would have these outrageous numbers on offense that, that aside from home runs, he, he was always out-hitting Johnny Bench. And every year, Johnny Bench is getting elected to the all-star team. And I, Simmons would be named a, a backup. And back then, Bench would catch seven innings. Simmons would pinch hit and they'd throw Gary Carter in or something in <laughs> right. behind the plate. And as a 12-year-old, you're like, oh, cut it out. This is a diss of my guy. And by the end of the year, you know, Bench has some monstrous numbers. And 
Cardinals have faltered, and, and Simmons, I mean, they're both Hall of Famers. Right. So, so it, it was a close competition, but Bench was probably slightly better. Yeah, I, I can admit that. So now, so you were happy when Ted Simmons finally got in the Hall of Fame? Oh, absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, that that was a great a great moment. I went to and when he was in the Cardinal inducted in the Cardinal one, I went down there to watch that ceremony. It was, it was yeah. I, I always thought that that was. Uh, I hate to use the word tragic; it seems over dramatic. But I thought that was a, a big travesty that that Ted Simmons fell off the ballot after the first year. He he needed to really be considered for much longer than that. He yeah. was he was yeah he was a great offensive. He was second best offensive catcher of his year in my mind. Yeah, you know. absolutely. What, was Bench uh, your favorite Red, or he was. were you a Pete Rose guy? Or well, I didn't dislike Pete, but uh, Johnny was my guy. Um, and there was a lot to choose from on that team. You had the, the flapper Joe Morgan and Tony Perez and King Griffey, the original. Right. You know, I mean, uh, Dave Concepcion was fun to watch. George Foster. George Foster hammering him out. Cesar uh, Geronimo could go get him in the outfield. Yeah, yeah, Geronimo. Yes. And then you had uh, a great bullpen, um, right, with uh, McEnany, Will McEnany and uh, Raleigh Eastwick. Yep. Yeah. So, so, yeah, that, definitely a great team to – to follow, so I, I I can get that allegiance in, in that regard. Same with the Broncos, uh, you kind of get it in your blood. I was ready to dog you over growing up around the exciting cardiac cards, and and how could you not fall in love with this team? And it's like, well, they disappoint you every year. Well, they they almost they almost were able to pull me away. You know, they the Broncos weren't very good when Jim Hart and the boys were putting up some numbers. Till the end, till the Arch Crush came along there at the the end of the right. 70s, right? Right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, not a bad team to, to have, though, all in all. Broncos a pretty good organization over the years and usually competitive. Yeah, well, the, the, until this recent stretch of mediocrity, they hadn't had back-to-back losing seasons in their existence. Yeah. Until this, this recent run of six straight losing seasons. Yeah, I think that comes to, to an end now with the... The offseason they're having. Well, yeah, I would hope, but it, it seems like the NFL put out a memo that all the talent in the NFL go assemble in the AFC West. <laughs> yes. Yes. Isn't that the truth? We're, we're not the only team that upgraded that division. Yeah, in yeah. The, uh, um, it'll be an interesting race because I think Habert's the best, the the best young quarterback oh, yeah. in the game right now. Um, it, I, I think if not this year, by next year he'll overtake Mahomes as a as a, the best quarterback. In the division, which I think I think Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers aside, I take Mahomes in a in a heartbeat over Aaron Rodgers, and so I, that's a tough division. Yeah, well, yes, and San Diego got better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Oakland brought in Devontae Adams, so there's there's another weapon. Or Vegas, I guess they are now. Yeah. Um, Broncos, of course, brought in Russell Wilson, so you know it's it's. And Kansas City's Kansas City still they're still Kansas City they yeah. still got Mahomes yeah they're a little nervous with Tyreek Hill gone but but you got a guy like Andy Reid and you got a, a weapon like like Mahomes and that'll be minimal impact in my opinion so yeah yeah great race over there now baseball not so much I I puzzled I had a, a, an episode of, my last episode was MLB breakdown um, with um, my nephew Sean Sheridan who's a, a current generation baseball fan mm-hmm. he's into all the saber metrics and everything and understands it all i had sean break it down for me because i'm still a home run batting average rbis guy right and uh, uh, sean broke it down for us and 
we were puzzled at, to the house cleaning the Reds are doing um, that they did in the off season. Yeah, I'm puzzled too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, I don't. I don't know what they're. You know, uh, they made the playoffs in the COVID season. Uh, you know, they expanded playoffs. Had they had we had the third wild card like we do this year, that would have been the Reds a year ago. So they they weren't that far out of it. Um, September 11th was the big date. I remember they're playing the Cardinals. Cardinals were three games behind them for that final wild card spot, and the Reds had won on on a, on Friday night. They'd beaten them in Game One of a of a four game series. They're ahead four nothing on that Saturday game. I'm driving back from my mother's. And but but I get to Mount Vernon. We're up four nothing. By the time I get home, we're down five four. Then they, that was game one of the seventeen game winning streak, and of course they, that's what separated the Reds and the Cardinals last year. So they weren't that far away. Castellanos was basically the only guy they had to lose. He was a free agent. They didn't have, but they just traded everybody else away. And I don't I don't understand it. I yeah. don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. puzzling. As a Cardinal fan, I don't mind. That should be. Right. We should win most of the series. I mean, that's it, it, uh, uh, intriguing. You know, they're they're immediately moved into Pittsburgh's class at dang near, and that's a. Uh, yeah, we got some good young arms, uh, but they're still young, and yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to contend. I don't think we're as bad as Pittsburgh, and uh, I think the Cubs are a little better than most people think, but I don't think they're that good. And I, I think Milwaukee is not good at all. I don't think I don't like their offense at all. Well, their their offense is a, is a question mark. And, and one thing Sean pointed out last week was they never had one injury to that pitching staff last year. He's like, how many teams go two years in a row without that? Right. And, and so so their arms couldn't. I know you know tip of the hat if they go through another year like that, they'll they'll be in contention if they you know, stay healthy. But but yeah, I agree. I I I don't think they're the the cream of the crop in that division. I think. Cardinals pitching's uh, on that same platform. They, they, you wonder where the innings are going to come from with them. But but uh, intriguing race. Do you follow it as much now as you always did? Yeah, I do only because um, I'm a big fantasy baseball player. Uh, I started play. I, I've been in the same league now for 21 years, and so I watch it mainly to keep up with my fantasy players, and so I can make intelligent right. decisions there. And so I, so I know what's going on, um, but I, I don't follow, and I, and I watch or follow all the Reds games. What I find myself at this age doing now, Denny, is I watch my teams, but if there's just a random baseball game on Thursday night, I don't necessarily sit down and watch that. But if it's the Reds, I'll watch it. Uh, if during football season, I watch the Broncos, I watch the Bears. I'm not necessarily going to make, make sure I'm home for Monday Night Football right. like when I was a kid. It, and that's why I'm no good at the NCAA tournament anymore. I watch Notre Dame. I follow the Illini. I don't know anything else. I don't find. I don't. I wouldn't. Duke Carolina doesn't. Isn't must see TV for me like it was when I was a young kid. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's true. It's just life gets in the way. You know, you just got so many other things going on in life. You can't can't quite dedicate that that same passion uh, that you have. A couple things that keep me in tune with the game is the local flavor that's uh, made the major leagues now with uh, uh, Jake Odorizzi was a, 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 an amazing story in high school here. And uh, he's, a, he's had a decent career in the, in the major leagues. Um, and so, so that's kept me interested in following Jake's uh, progress. Uh, and now, now he's got a, another classmate, Jeff Hartlib, struggling to, to 
stay afloat in the major leagues, but he's bounced up and down a couple times with different teams. And so, uh, and there's a kid, you know, he's, a, he's in the same class as my youngest son in high school. I know his dad real well, and they, it's like, okay, this is cool. I'll keep an eye out here, too. And, they, and that kind of keeps you in tune with other things going on. So so it's fun. But there's a lot of local flavor in, uh, in the majors these days from uh, southern Illinois. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so it's a, yeah, there, there's a kid from Columbia, Illinois. I can't think of his name. He's a pitcher. Pitches for Tampa Bay. Uh, integral part of their bullpen. Um the kid from Collinsville, um, Red Sox. Last time I saw, right? Um, yeah, I'm terrible with names. There, there's a, there's a young man, Austin Allen. I actually went to grade school with his mom and dad. Uh, he's uh, the backup catcher for uh, the uh, Oakland A's. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, uh, he doesn't get a lot of a lot of time. But he, shoot, he who less than twenty thousand players have played in the major leagues. That's pretty, that's pretty cool to be yeah. able to say that. Yeah, it is. It's always neat to see that local flair come. And so, so I've had, I've enjoyed uh, Jake's career in the, in the pros pretty good, and it was real thrill last year to see him pitch so well in the World Series. His game four, he came in and uh, pitched two innings and struck out five. Right. And it's like okay, then Dusty doesn't put him in the rest of the series. <laughs> good old Dusty Baker, still aggravating us Cardinal fans. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's change course a little bit here. So a couple of weeks ago, people were watching the Academy Awards, what people still watch it anyway. Um, so you got one-fourth the crowd it used to have, but still a pretty good number uh, watching the, the awards. And uh, Chris Rock comes out to present an award and uh, cracks a joke uh, about Will Smith's wife, Jada, and her, her bald head, and, uh, you know, and some medical reasons behind that and stuff. But tells the joke, Will Smith pops out of his chair, walks directly up the stage, directly to Chris Rock, who's uh, trying, to, trying to run the show a little bit as a presenter, and boom, smacks him in the face, turns around and walks off. Now, personally, I thought Chris Rock handled it well um, when the event happened. Um, cracks another joke, and Will Smith starts jawing at him, mm-hmm. and uh, um, dropping um, um, some curse words at him in, in, the, in the, the middle of it. And so, so now it's really awkward. And Chris gets through the situation and, and manages to do his, his uh, uh, presentation and gets off. And Twitterverse goes bonkers, right? Um, Facebook goes bonkers, everybody. Every social media platform goes bonkers. And uh, um, you start seeing different comedians throughout the country chiming in on it. Most people's take on it is in favor of how well Chris Rock handled the, the situation. Um, so, so my question to you is, as a comedian, what was your reaction to that uh, when you found out? Did you watch it? I didn't see it live. I, I, I was... I, I, was almost instantly aware of it because of social media. I've seen that, seen the highlights many times. I've seen highlights of other portions of the show that didn't involve Chris Rock. He he wasn't the only presenter that night or MC or or host, I guess they call him, that made fun of people. Uh, that that's you know it's been an award show staple for as long as I guess there's been award shows that the audience is going to get get picked on. You know, from the ESPYS to the Grammys to, to 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 the Oscars and 
so you have to be aware of it. You have to have a thicker skin. I think we, we've evolved into a society now where we all want to be offended by something. And I'm not saying that Will and Jada didn't have the right to be upset with that, but I think his reaction was, I don't, I don't want to send the message to people in the audience that it's okay to come up on stage as comedians. I'm not as, I'm not as fry as I used to be. I don't yeah. know if I can get out of the way. Now yourself in your act, you're you're not you're not one to to identify somebody in the audience and pick on, right? Now, there's Correct. probably a name for that. In yourself, a heckler. Uh, well, yeah, a heckler, but but or, or, I, I think everybody hecklers. But the interactive well, like guys that, that crowd work and in, Rickle, Rickles is what we used to what we call an insult comic. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's not your shtick per se. No, I, I maybe actually, have to cuff once in a while, but 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 not really. No, I, I have it in my arsenal if I need to bring it out. But my philosophy has always been: the venue is paying me to perform for thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, an hour, whatever whatever it is. That's what I've prepared. I'll stay here, you stay there, and I won't come out there unless you come up here. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that literally, I mean that figuratively. Because if if I gotta deal with an audience member, that's literally taking away from something I had prepared to entertain the rest of the audience with. Right. Because the comedy clubs it's not like soccer. There there is no heckler time added on at the end of your set. You know, it, you, if you're doing thirty minutes, you you need to be off in thirty minutes. And if I gotta spend five minutes of that dealing with somebody in the audience that takes away five minutes of something I've prepared to entertain everybody. I'm also not a, my, my style of humor, I'm, I don't make fun of things that aren't, that don't involve me, you know, so I, I don't, if you're going to be offended, you got to look, if I tell a fat joke, don't, don't get upset with me if you're fat, I'm fat too, you know, it's mainly making fun of myself. Um, and, and and that's a that's a common style self self deprecation. Sure, yeah, yeah. My brother does it um, uh, quite a bit in his, sure. in his routine. So so yeah, I I I agree with you in that that perspective. Right, and and I I, I don't like the way some stand up is going. I don't like people thinking you have to be edgy. You have to be you know insulting. I don't I don't like my my philosophy was one of the reasons I never talk about politics on stage. I'm, I'm not there to make people angry. And if I delve into politics, there's a very good chance I'm going to offend half the people that are there. I, I'm not there to have my side of my political beliefs reinforced. I'm there to entertain 100% of the people sitting out there. So, I, I, I rock handle, I, again, the biggest takeaway from this, I think, Denny, is Chris Rock handled it like a pro. Um, and I think Will Smith... I think he regrets what he did, uh, but he certainly, you, you know, there's many things in life I regret that I did and you can't take back. So yeah. I'm not saying that Will Smith should be demonized forever. I'm also, I believe in forgiveness, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have this, Will Smith isn't one of those people that has a long history of doing knuckleheaded stuff like this. This is kind of a one-off for Will Smith, so... Like, I definitely don't think they should take his Oscar away. It has nothing to do with yeah, his performance. Yeah, I, I agree with the Oscar. I thought he maybe should have been escorted out. Um, yeah. Um, but, but it was such a weird moment. Uh, even that, I can see people going, what do we do? Well, it's, do one we those, do? it's one of those moments that there's no way anybody is prepared for that. Right. In, 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 the, in the planning process for the whole evening, did anybody think, what if somebody gets mad and comes to the stage? I don't, I don't think that is... But something you had a contingency plan for. 
knowing your your style, that's not something you would worry about going forward either, is it? Well, if I have to deal with hecklers, my, my, my initial response always to hecklers is to ignore them. Tr- treat them like a small child and hopefully they'll go away. Unfortunately, a lot of times you, you, you've come to see me, you've seen many of your shows with your brother. You know, a lot of times that's fueled by a little bit of alcohol. And so they may not, they, they may be less inhibited than it would normally be. Sometimes you do have to address it. Sometimes those exchanges aren't necessarily nice. Yeah. Um, do but, you have a go-to method you use in, in dealing with it? Well, it all, it all depends on... has to be impromptu. Yeah, it all depends on where I am in the lineup. Uh, if this was just started during my... I've been at shows where there's been a heckler, the same person, right from the get-go. And I'm like the third comic up, for example. Yeah. And and usually the, the, the earlier comics are younger, less experienced, don't know how to deal with it. So it's it's been allowed to continue this far. Um. One of my favorite things to do is ask them their name. I say, what's your, what's your name, Sally? Hi, Sally, I'm Bruce Veach. You may recognize my name. I'm the guy on the poster. <laughs> I'm the guy whose name was on the tickets you bought. I'm the guy all these people came to see. All right, when they pay to come see Sally, you can talk. <laughs> Until then, let them hear me, you know. And hopefully yeah. that can, but there's been points where people, and I owned a comedy club for four years, where I had to escort people out. The thing I, that, I was going to ask that is uh, you, you mentioned the heckler playing um, every act up there. You know, is, is, in your role as an owner, do you, do you take action? Oh, at sure, some point on sure. In a in a comedy club, isn't it's not going to be allowed to get that far. Um, but in, in other venues, uh, the you know, W special event or something, right? Or yeah. or you know, uh, Gary and I have performed a couple times at down at the Casino Queen, very professional setting. Well done show, but it's it's not something they do all the time. So, the events coordinator from the Casino Queen, if that would have, that fortunately that didn't happen in our yeah. shows, but had it, was it happening, they're probably not going to know to go deal with that situation. And th- a lot of times with hecklers, the drunk hecklers are one thing. You can you, they they can calm them down. It's the people that come to the comedy club, and I don't think they realize where they were going. You know the the group of women that are going out for the girls' night. And they want to gab about all their. That's, 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 you picked the wrong place to yeah. come do that. Or I, I had a very funny gal named Fortune Feemster. I don't know if you're familiar with with her. Uh, she's been on like Life in Pieces, and she's yeah. on the Keenan Show. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, she, she's an open lesbian. Well, there was a guy in the audience, and but I advertised this. We talk about who's coming to the show. Well, he got very upset that he's having. Well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't spring it on you. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I respect your beliefs. And if you don't want to support that, I, that's 100% fine with me. But you came to the wrong place not to support yeah. that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it boggles your mind sometimes what, what, what people are thinking. So, yeah. Um, so, not something you, you'll necessarily... It, it'll always be in the back of your mind, I guess, after you see something like that. But... Not something you're going to fret over. And, oh, no, and no. Say. No, I, I think for the most part, we, I don't know, it changes a lot lately, but I think for the most part we have a civilized society and they they know that's a, a PlayStation. Now, I've seen, uh, my, my, I have a very good friend named Greg Warren, who's a, a tremendous stand-up comedian. I was working with Greg once and, and Greg got into it with a heckler. Um, 
it didn't escalate during the show, but after the show, that guy still wanted to <laughs> talk to Greg about what was going on. You know, that that stuff still may occur, but I I don't I'm not I don't think we're going to see a lot of audience members storming the stage because they're yeah. upset. Well, there's a lot of it with all the the uh, uh, sensitivity going around politically, you know, and and the I'm offended crowd and, and everything that that. Uh, you know, you see guys, uh, Chappelle going through it. Um, you know, he's an edgy comedian. And, and in my mind, you know what you're getting when you're watching Dave Chappelle or Bill Burr or somebody like that, right? It's, you know what you're getting. How do you get offended? Right. You know, it, it's, it's, it's comedy. It's, I just, it boggles my mind. Right. right? Yeah, if, if I go see a Lewis Black show... I know he's going to probably say something that I don't agree with politically, um, but I know that going in, and I, I'm there because I think he's a genius, and he's going to he's going to make me laugh more than he's going to make me mad. Especially from the comedian, you know, I I get it, and I get the same way. Not the, to the point where I would heckle, but um, I went and saw Bruce Springsteen six years ago, I guess. First time I seen him in concert, and I was always leery of going to Bruce because I know his politics. And saying doesn't necessarily align with mine, and I thought, I, you know, I really don't want to go get lectured. I just want to watch him sing because uh, I love him <laughs> as an artist. <laughs> and uh, uh, to his credit, pulled it off flawlessly, <laughs> and I got to experience what everybody, all the diehard Springsteen fans, have raved about for forty years. And right. so, so it was good. But but if, it, if I'd have been thoroughly upset. If uh, uh, if he got into to lecturing his audience politically, he drew the line. Um, some artists don't do that, right. and if it's not in their primary field, I don't expect to hear that as a, a right. paying customer. When you're going to see a comedian, <laughs> and you know who the comedian is, even if you don't know, you shouldn't be shocked at a comedy show. Right, right. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm not going to allow somebody's politics to. Influence whether or not I enjoy. I'm, you know, I'm not going to not eat here because they do this, or I'm not going to not watch this sport because that guy said this. And it doesn't mean I have to agree with him, but it also I can also appreciate him as a great football player, or right, or, or you know, you know, I'm I'm a huge fan of the actress Ashley Judd. I don't think I'd want to spend one minute alone with Ashley Judd. <laughs> you know, right. if, if she was, and, and if she, I do my best to do that. There's a couple <laughs> artists that, that I struggle a little more with than, than others, but but. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think we're from the same mold. It kind of gets us. And, and I also want to say this: the same thing holds true. If those, if the, if I agree politically with those artists, if if I go to a Toby Keith concert, I just want Toby Keith to sing songs. Yeah, I, I don't want to be lectured on Toby Keith's politics, even though I probably agree more with Toby Keith than yeah. I disagree. I, I, w- I went there to hear you sing. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. I, I agree with that perspective too. Um, I'm not going there for your personal side. Um, you know, leave it. Check it at the door. Um, which kind of brings me to our, our next topic and um, uh, the pop culture tournament that, that you're heavily involved in on, on Facebook. Uh, for, for listeners not familiar, pop culture tournament is a Facebook group Correct. that, that um, goes out and does a... a NCAA bracket, if you will, 64, usually 64. I think it, it's always been 64. It we might occasion, have had one. We occasionally have a double tournament. Yeah. We, we occasionally have a 120. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, and they pick a subject and then seed the 
the uh, choices. Currently, the one going on is greatest NBA player of all time, um, right? And, and this is the beauty of, of what I think Pop Culture Tournament does. Uh, to me, it represents everything social media should be, right? It's, a, it's a, uh, usually a fun topic for people to interact on and disagree on civilly, and um, uh, Jordan fans aside, so and it's harmless fun uh you know at the end of the day who cares if uh as you pointed out that lebron james is going to lose in the sweet 16 right of the greatest players ever um you know it, you, you scratch your head and wonder what some people were thinking or they can't get by their biases uh, off the court <laughs> which is i think totally the case with lebron because if you watch him play basketball he's He's definitely not a... a, a he, he's in the discussion, yeah. Yeah, uh, so so that's a... But at the end of the day, who cares, all right? right. It, it's not something... And, and you can take jabs at people for their picks on, on, in, in the comment section of uh, um, Facebook, and it, it's fun, entertaining, and harmless. And, and I think that's uh, the purity of uh, the purity outside of uh, social media. Um, so I think it's a wonderful job well, you guys are doing with that. You know, it, it was started by a friend of mine uh, named Rob Matthews. I was Rob's counselor at a, 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 a program called Boy State. Uh, back in 1987, I was his counselor. He was a junior in high school, getting ready to start his senior year. Uh, he came back as a counselor the following year. We've been, fr- we've been friends ever since. Uh, he started it on his Facebook page about three weeks into the pandemic as just kind of a distraction um, when he got some success among his friends, he asked myself and a couple other fellows if we would uh, join the, a seating committee to, uh, you know, seed the, d- the different topics. And, and we, we formed a group and we all invited people and they invited people. And I don't know how this happened, but we have a huge contingent of people from Kentucky that, that, are, that are in this group. Um, it, you know, it's mainly people from Illinois because that's where we're based, but it has spread out across ac- across the country. Uh, and so we know when we do things like uh, the greatest NFL players, the tournament we had, and Walter Payton won well, that, you know, you just got to figure, you look, who, look who your audience is. And I, I don't think I don't think people, like the one we have coming up after the NBA tournament, I think you'll enjoy it, is the greatest keyboard intro of all time. And my biggest fear is, and I know it'll happen, is people will judge the whole song. They won't, they won't just judge the intro. Right. You know, and so journey will make these long runs into the tournament <laughs> because, because people love journey and, you know, a, a great intro, like, uh, I, I hope angry young man makes a pretty deep <laughs> run, but there's a, you know, there's a potential that, yeah. you know, cause we're, when they were seated and we, we told the seating committee only consider the intro and only consider the keyboard portion of the intro. You know, once you hear that guitar, once you hear something else, the keyboard intros in, you know over so people will look and see like uh separate ways you know it's like a 15 seed but so it's going to go up against an iconic you know f- right. funeral for a friend or something like that um and it yeah. was you know it's like we had the 80s music tournaments with the first public tournament we did when we went big um and tom sawyer was a 15 seed and it knocked out a call me in the first round you know that's that's when i first started going okay <laughs> how how important are the seats but you know you know and it's not just uh the tournaments we also do uh 
some other pop culture related. We have a trivia question every Tuesday and yeah, things along those lines. But yeah, it's, it's a safe. We do not allow. We've been very fortunate in the almost two years we've been doing it. We've only had to expel one member who who just refused to be nice. And again, we don't care if there's debate and discussion right. about the matchup as long as it's civil. What we don't want is uh, political discussion or things taking it this way. In, and sometimes we make this, we had Greatest Reality Show. I'm, I'm spilling the beans here. We, we did Greatest Reality Show, t- and when it was all said and done, The Apprentice had made the field. And uh, we, we made a, an executive decision as the group. It was, it was low. It was 14, 15 seed. I said, uh, you know, it, it, it deserves to be considered as one of the top 64 reality shows of all time. But I just think it's a can of worms waiting to be opened if we throw it out there. And I said, I think just for it's not going to win the tournament. It may not even win its first round matchup. Just for the sake of not having to deal with it, <laughs> let's put the 65th team in the tournament and move everybody else. In the, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to do that. But uh, yeah. even in a group where I trust pretty much all the group to, to behave, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, but, but great topics. In fact, that was the only one. I think I didn't participate in. I'm not a big reality. You know, and it, 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 it actually wasn't the reality TV show. Uh, it, we, we did the greatest TV catchphrases. Yeah. And you're fired. You're made fired. the field. I see. And then yeah. we, we took it out. Yeah. Because it would have actually had the name associated with the quote, you know, in the in the tournament. Right. Right. And that's one of the things we struggle with. We we realize not everybody's into everything. But we also want to try to appeal to as many people as possible. So we know. I think you've done great with that. So so we we know when we do a tournament like greatest novel of all time, it's not going to appeal to the same person that's as excited about greatest keyboard intros, for example, or or, or something else. Then there are those universal topics like, you know, greatest ice cream flavor or greatest Halloween treat or something like that that everybody gets on board with. And, and, you know, in some of the, like if I like novels, I recuse myself from the seating process because I, I don't even know enough to tell you <laughs> how this should be, be seated. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're good about doing that too. And then we go out and find what we call guest seaters and yeah. bring them in. Yeah. Yeah. No, you guys have done a, a terrific job on mixing it up in, in topic wise. It's not just a, a sports thing. It's a, uh, truly pop culture. Um, really, when you, you break it down and you know, you got the novels, you got the, uh, TV theme songs. You've got, you know, your sports ones. Uh, so, so yeah, it's it's been uh, tremendous. Well, because well, we have a diverse group of people that help seed. And when we first started, we'd we'd have these big conversations about what should the next tournament be, and those would take forever. So uh, we just basically said, all right, you know, there's six of us. Every six tournaments, you pick the topic. Try try not to do a music tournament after the music tournament. And try not to do a movie tournament after a movie tournament. Yeah. And then occasionally, depending on where the calendar falls, we will say, let's do greatest horror movie because it's Halloween. Who wants to right. take it? And then we'll, we'll put together the initial... There's It's almost a part-time job. We'll, we'll, I imagine it is. <laughs> whoever this <laughs> tournament is, they will actually assemble the initial list, however they want to go about doing it. We also ask occasionally for suggestions from the group because we don't want to make the same mistake we made back in the 80s music tournament and omit Bruce Springsteen from an 80s, you know, so we want to make sure, we don't want to, we're not trying to compile a list of every 
thing that meets this criteria, but we don't we don't want to miss an obvious one like we did in, in that one. Um, but even that has become a, a a point of where we get a little frustrated. We'll say just nominate one, please. We we've already gotten a list, and they'll be like nine, and then we yeah. we we yeah. put. We put all those on the thing to consider, and if you're having to seed a list of a hundred things, that's a lot easier to do than seed 150, for example. Right. Um, and, and, but it's it's a great it's great fun. Um, and then once we, once that's done, all of us seed them. There's no there's no discussion amongst each other. They just all show up in a spreadsheet. We do a sort. Top 64 get in unless there's a tie for 64th. We'll have a play-in game, and then uh, Rob brackets it. I, I, I go out and search the internet for pictures or clips or whatever we're going to yeah. do, put the video together. And Rob is the one that does most of the work because every, most every night he has to be somewhere at nine o'clock to close out all those polls, you know, and get the, the new ones up. And it's not as bad the first three or four rounds because you know the matchups. It's like right now we're in the Sweet 16, so we won't know the late matchups till nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. You know. And you can anticipate them, and then right when you anticipate that Smokey Bear is going to beat Hootie the Owl, there's there's a three vote run at nine at eight fifty nine that pushes Hootie the Owl over the top, you know. Yeah, yep. Uh, it's uh, great fun from my perspective. Um, I, I appreciate the the effort you guys put in. I uh, the basketball one, for example, um, one of your panelists, I guess, is the one that did the comparison. No, that's just a group member. Was it? That's just a group member that has a website and he puts yeah, that link up every day. But the comparison of uh, this guy versus this guy's stats, and it's like opened my eyes a couple times. And right. I, I, you know, I know every player on that list pretty darn good. Right. And I've been an NBA fan my whole life, and so so it's like, yeah, I, I know who these guys are. And uh, you look at the stats and you think, you know, my brother lived in San Antonio for twenty years. Um, I've been a, a Spurs fan the whole time. I'm a huge Tim Duncan fan. I didn't realize his numbers were that dang good. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, you, you talk about an underrated guy as far as publicity goes. I, I knew I was closer to him having followed the Spurs like that for a while, but boy, what impressive numbers. So, so I appreciated that, 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 um, uh, stuff, but it, even the pictures sometimes helped that Rob puts out there. Of uh, um, you know the contestants that are going against, and then one of the things I hope people are exposed to things they wouldn't. Yeah, you you may still vote for separate ways, for example, but if you've never heard "Bloody Well Right," listen to that keyboard intro. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, if if you're not from the the novel one, I wasn't familiar with some of those novels, and you know, so now if I were to be one that liked to read, I now have a a built-in list of a list. Yeah, exactly. And uh, um, I, I do kind of file some of those things uh, away from my own personal use as well. So, so that's good. But so, so kudos on that whole uh, pop culture tournament and uh, what you've done with that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of work. So, so uh, uh, a tip of the hat. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, been great stuff. Um, what else on Bruce Veach's mind? You got any comedy acts coming up here? Well, you know, I, 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 the, my next act, my next show isn't until October. Uh, it's at a uh, a timeshare campground place out uh, just it's in. Uh, it's called Lost Valley. It's just out past Union, Missouri. Uh, I, I do a sh- they do a show once a year. Uh, I was last there five years ago, so it's a fun place to go. 
I was, I was, I'd shut the club down. At that point, I had to find employment. That, that, that was a struggle. And, and then the pandemic hit. Right, I was just starting to get rolling again uh, with some gigs and the pandemic hit. And the thing about the pandemic is it reset the whole comedy scene. So one of the, one of the advantages for somebody like me that hadn't been in in a while is, well, I may want X, Y, Z comic, but they're already booked. They're booked out seven, six, seven months. So I got to settle for Bruce Beach. Once the pandemic hit, everybody, nobody was working. So now all the, you have to pick your litter. And it also closed down a lot of comedy venues. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's been, it's been a little more difficult, but it's starting to pick back up and it's, it's not something I rely on for, to survive. Uh, so I, I, I get to pick and choose somewhat what, what I get to do. You know, I'm one of those people I've, I've gotten to do an awful, I got, I have a lot of interest and a lot of loves and I've gotten to spend significant time doing a lot of them. You know, I've gotten to coach, I've gotten to broadcast. I got into public address for over 20 years. I still do that for the women's professional football team here in St. Louis, um, whose season, they're the two-time defending champion. Their season actually started last week. They were on the road. Their first home game's the 30th. Um, where, where where does one go watch the women's professional football well, team? Well, this, this year we play at uh, St. Mary's High School. We've had, we've had many venues over the 20 years we've been in existence. <laughs> Um, they've played at uh, St. Mary's High School. We were at CBC for a number of years. They played at Belleville Lindenwood for for a couple of years. Um, it, it's not lingerie football. I don't want to give that impression. These these it's it's the same football you would watch on Sunday, only it's played by by women instead of men. So it's uh, not. And they're not going to get upset when I say this. It's not the quality that you see on Sunday because the gals didn't grow up playing football. These are former you know rugby players or just great athletic women that wanted to still continue and, and compete compete yeah wow. i learned something new every day yep i i remember when the lingerie team was around for a little while i don't think they still are no i, I don't yeah. think the lingerie yeah. league minute no that yeah. was that was too gimmicky yeah yeah mm. uh, they might have been out drawing the rams by the end there but <laughs> 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 who knows Okay, so so um, a gig in October and stuff. Um, uh, I know um, um, some personal things of, of uh, uh, good ones. Um, you just spent the weekend walking your daughter down the aisle. I did, I did. It was it was like a lot of things these days. A very unusual circumstance. They were supposed to get married in April of 2020. Literally three weeks before their wedding, the world shut down. Uh, my daughter's a trainer for the Chicago Bears, so there's a not not very many windows open throughout the year where she can take some time off to get married. So they we're going to push it back to June of 2020 because remember it was only going to last two weeks. Where right. they do for two, right. Right. They, you know, kind, kind of that. Okay, we got time between mini camp and start a training camp that we can go get this wedding in, uh, but that didn't obviously happen. So they pushed it all the way back to April of 2021. Things weren't as bad as they were in 2020, but we still had 25% capacity limitations and things like that in Illinois. So my daughter was like, I don't, you know, I want, I want everybody there. I want this. I'm a girl. I want to. So we pushed it back to 2022. In the meantime, they got married, <laughs> you know, in a, in a little civil ceremony. So uh, they actually got to have their party this weekend. So that, that was kind of cool. Uh, my young, my youngest daughter is. Uh, She's more like me than my oldest daughter. She she graduated from the U of I with with a degree she can't do anything with. So now she's <laughs> so so now she's she's at she's up at Edwardsville working on her masters in social work and 
so yeah, th- things are going good with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great to hear. That's that's great to hear. Um, Bruce, uh, always fun to get together. Um, appreciate you trekking on out here. Oh, sure, no problem. Enjoyed it. All this, and um, um, we'll kick around some more podcast ideas, perhaps in the in the future. Uh, invite you back or do something uh, maybe with the pop culture team. Perfect. And kind of kind of see see where that goes. But um, you know, I think I'm getting entrenched here um, with uh, from the bench with Dench, and so so uh, I'll be looking for for uh, some ideas and things anyway. So so uh, you're always welcome back to the microphone. And, oh, perfect. And ever... I enjoyed it. It was great catching up with you. Great, great. I always smile always comes on my face when I hear Joe May's name come up. <laughs> <laughs> Joe was a classic man. He 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 certainly was. He. Had, if you watched him broadcast people, you would wonder, how is the sound I'm hearing come out of the radio coming from this guy? He always looked like he was about to fall asleep at a game, wore his glasses on the tip of his nose or whatever, and you just wondered if he was even watching the game that was being broadcast, and at the end of the night, you're going, that was a pretty damn good broadcast Joe just had. Yep. Uh, you know, so, so those were good times. It'd be nice to, to revisit those at some point. All right, Bruce, thanks a lot. Uh, appreciate it again one more time. And uh, uh, thanks for listening to From the Bench with Dench, and we'll have an, another episode on your favorite streaming service coming uh, within the next week or two. So keep keep an eye out and uh, follow me. And I'm going to have a Facebook page out there on From the Bench with Dench real soon, and I'll let you know when that happens. Good night. Thanks for joining From the Bench with Dench. I'm your studio host, Denny Dent Trittenhouse, and look for us on all your favorite streaming services.